What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are watching Rum Buncher Radio. Maybe you're listening, joining us on the podcast realm. We appreciate you wherever you're joining us from. Trey Anity, Marty Leeper, rejoined this week by our regular host, Nick Caparoso. It has been too long, Nick, since the last time we had John. Excited to, to get you back, talk about the Pirates. Past week, we're going to talk about a lot of other storylines. An insane amount of roster moves going on this week. Cabrian Hayes, it's the 60-day injured list. Call Moran hits the 10-day. He might be back sooner than we think. We're going to get into all that. We have our first mock draft of the podcast coming up here later on in the show as well. But, Nick, how have you been since the last time we talked? It's been a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Things are, you know, as good as they can be, obviously. Having to take some time away for a little bit, dealing with some things still, trying to get through it. But should be getting some answers soon, hopefully. Um, and looking forward to getting back on here and talking about, obviously, if minor league baseball starting up and, like you said, with the draft quickly approaching. You know, this is the time of the year we baseball fans live for. Oh, certainly. This is the best time of the year when it's baseball season. It's always the best time of the year. Good to have you back. Best of luck with everything going on. Like I said, we're going to talk about a lot tonight, but before we do that, guys, we got some breaking news. It's really important breaking news, guys. This is a public service announcement, even. Manscaped has dropped the lawnmower 4.0. This new trimmer was just released moments ago. We're the first ones to get to try this thing. Join over 2 million men worldwide now that are joining, that are on the Manscaped train. We're going to give you an exclusive offer, guys. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Like I said, guys, we're one of the first people to get to try this razor. Absolutely blown away. It has that advanced ceramic blade like the last one. It's got the skin safe technology. They even said that the team might have worked with Elon Musk a little bit on this one to make it as safe as possible for your testicles. Uh, guys, you can use this thing in the shower if you want to eliminate the hair. It has a 4,000 LED spotlight. You can turn that on and off for a more precise shave. This trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all 
throughout with the addition of the guard lengths from sizes one to four it's sleek, it's sleek too, guys. guys. There's, There's a two-tone two matte and a gloss finish on top of it. It, it has a hot foil stamped black, black chrome Manscaped logo. logo. This, this thing comes with everything, guys. guys. Did I mention, guys, it charges wirelessly. The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction. Getting scientific here. That can help your battery length. Like I said, guys, use our code. It is FANSIDED20, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-20 to get 20% off at Manscaped dot com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscape the pirates haven't been able to use the right tools at the plate in recent weeks the bats have certainly slowed down some starting pitching has been a little bit inconsistent the bullpen has looked a little bit different but overall guys i think you know what you're getting out of the pitching has been pretty solid so far the bats uh, you know have continued to regress a little bit Col moran hitting the il takes another huge chunk out of the middle of this lineup Let's start by recapping the Cincinnati series a little bit. The Pirates dropped two out of three. Uh, game three, going to extra innings. They fall in that one. Uh, your thoughts, guys, overall in this series as the Pirates continue to scuffle now, losing their third consecutive series? Well, I think the biggest thing coming out of this series um, that was frustrating is the offense just continuing to struggle. Um, I mean, they had a seven-run outburst Tuesday night when they won the game. They only muster one run Monday night, only muster one run Wednesday afternoon, especially Wednesday afternoon when they wasted a really strong start from Trevor Cahill and some really good work out of the bullpen until Dwayne Underwood Jr. ended some trouble in the 10th inning. Um, anytime your starter goes five and a third and only gives up a run and then the bullpen posts zeros, get through the sixth and then the seventh, eighth, and ninth, that's a game you got to win. You know, if you only give up one run through nine, that's, that's a game you got to win. And just right now the Pirate offense – and it's a combination of factors between injuries, guys not performing, a lack of depth, all kinds of things. But right now the Pirate offense just is not performing at all, and we're seeing it. Yeah, like you said, I think it's that the the biggest thing is just not having a consistency in that lineup. Obviously losing uh, Moran's huge. He's been in the middle of that lineup all year, going back through last year. So, I mean – we're still waiting for Hayes to get back as well. Um, right now, the Pirates' offense is weak. Uh, really, you know, you see on Twitter there, there's a lot of um, sarcastic comments made about their their lineups usually every day now, and I mean, rightfully so. But at the same time, uh, th- there's a process that's in place here, and while they were exceeding expectations early, you know, we all know what, what the overall expectation for this team heading into this year was going to be. And um, it's 162 games. You're going to lose guys. People aren't going to be healthy. Every team loses guys. And that's the difference between the really good teams and the really bad teams. He said it best, Nick. I mean, it's 162 games. The Pirates are 15 and 21, still seven games out of first place. Uh, but, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about a 500 team, a team that had gotten a game over 500. Um, you know, it's a process. There's a plan in place. Part of that plan is going to be Adam Frazier and what the team decides to do with him. Let's talk about his trade value and the way it's, you know, really skyrocketed since the start of spring training, the consistency this team's been getting out of him. You know, does he still look to be maybe the front runner uh, trade piece as we get closer to July? I'm excited about the potential for Adam Frazier's trade value at the deadline. Teams are always looking for a, a Ben Zobris type and Adam Frazier's quickly kind of turning into that. You know, he's a guy you can pretty much hit anywhere up and down the lineup. 
Uh, you feel comfortable playing him at second base. And of course, we know that he has played outfield um, relatively decently in the past, too. So any team looking for just that, that type of utility player to come off the bench or, you know, needs a, that last piece in their lineup, they're missing that second baseman like many teams are in the league. Um, you're going to go get a plus hitter who, like you said, is having a great start to the season. You're looking at the best start he's probably had in his career, which for him is huge because typically his first two months are what kind of ruins his overall numbers. Yeah, I agree. I still think Frazier is going to be a hot commodity at the trade deadline. I mean, his start to the season only helps that. Entering play on Wednesday, he was second in the National League in hits. Um, his walk rate is 8.9%, and his strikeout rate is only 10.8%. Two outstanding numbers, and both of which are the second best of his career. You know, like you said, Nick, he can play second base with the best of them. He's a gold glove finalist last two years. He can hold his own in left field and right field. He's hitting for, I mean, even though he's only got one home run this year, he's hitting for good power. He's slugging about 450 on the season. He's getting a lot of doubles. That's what so, I mean. You're not going to get that out of a second baseman or a lefty bench bat. Exactly. You know, teams want that at the deadline. And then you look at the American League, you know, there's going to be teams out there who might just need a bat and they can go get a guy like Adam Frazier and stick him with the designated hitter. So I think – yeah, yeah, I, I feel like Adam Frazier, the Chicago White Sox, the trade, it made sense in the offseason. And then spring training injuries happened and it made sense. And now regular season injuries have happened and it makes even more sense. Like if I were the Chicago White Sox, I would be kicking down Ben Sherrington's door right now about Adam Frazier. But I do think I, – I, and again, I know we've said this a ton on here. Just I can't envision Frazier still being with the Pirates come August 1st. Just with where the Pirates are at and the season Frazier is having – I know last year there was a lot of trade rumors swirling around Frazier throughout the season. And like you said, Nick, he's typically a slow starter. Well, last year the trade deadline was a month into the season. So then being a slow starter, that did hurt his trade value. But I just I can't envision Frazier not being moved at some point between now and July 31st with the Pirates out of it and other teams who could need a lefty bat. They could need a utility guy, like you said. So I, I can't see Frazier still being here by the end of the summer. It just doesn't make sense to keep him. We know this is how the Pirates operate. We know they are not going to let uh, one of their better players walk to free agency. Um, they'll get something for him. I think they can get a solid return for him. I think yeah. they could get a solid return for him right now. I think they could have in the offseason. But as we've mentioned on here before, Ben Charrington has a price figure in his head. And until that price figure is met, he will hold – but I'm sure as the deadline gets closer, you know, we'll kind of see what kind of market sets up and uh, who who's, you know, the buyer sellers market of sorts. And Hey, too, I could give Ben Sheridan credit for that. Cause like you said, he probably could have gotten a solid return from the off season. Obviously it was not exactly what he wanted or else he would have pulled the trigger. He waited it out and trusted his player and it's going to pay off for him. And so Hey, here like, falls off a cliff, which is, his career trajectory tells you, if anything, he's going to continue to improve in the right. coming months. So th there's no reason to believe that Frazier's trade value come July, it's going to be higher than it was this past offseason. And listen, we, we know Ben Charrington's not afraid to pull the trigger on deals. He's He did it with the Marte deal, you know, weeks before spring training. Then he did nothing, and we were like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, 
Bell, Tyon, Musgrove, you know, all those deals came out. Like we we know he'll he'll make the deal when that price is met, and that's what happened this offseason. Hopefully that's what's gonna happen at the trade deadline for Adam Frazier. Well, how important is that that Marte deal looking back on it now to you know for him to set that standard right away? Because he has been very patient with some of these players. You know, we could deadline last year there wasn't any action i think fans you know for the sake of the fan base that Marte trade was so important and you know for the sake of the team the value the return in that trade along with these other trades as well that that jameson tyone trade we're looking at now and thinking oh my what god what did the yankees do you know the podcast yeah. it's like that, that, wow the yankees do what the yankees do yeah, yeah. that, that jameson tyone trade that Hey, boy, it's and you don't want to pile on JMO too much because he's an awesome guy who, as we've said, it might be the unluckiest athlete in the history of Major oh, League Baseball. Yeah, but just boy, that that trade is looking like highway robbery potential for the Pirates. When I, you look at what we've seen from Miguel Ure, you look at I mean, Rowan's and Contreras hitters double A can't even touch the guy. <laughs> Mikel Espada is hitting the cover off the ball at low A. And he's 19, 18 or so. He's yeah. like. Ron <laughs> Smith and Jigma, I think, has two or three home runs already for the curve. And you've got JMO out here. And again, you don't want to pile on JMO because he's an awesome dude. He's been through a lot. He's got near right over five in his first six starts. And he's got two Tommy Johns. There's just a lot of red flags there. And boy, boy, that, that JMO trade might be one, might be an all timer for Ben Charrington when it's all said and done. Oh, no doubt. And the Pirates needed a few of these, you know, in a row to, to get this started really in the right direction. You're not going to be able to do it just off of draft picks and signings or whatever else. The Pirates don't have the money to do that either. Uh, these trades, you know, needed to, to start to fall in the right way. And, you know, just for all of them to kind of happen so early, I think it's given so much faith for the fan base to see the smart trade already panning out. The Padres trade already giving you great return with David Bednar at the major league level. And, you know, who knows what's to come. The things we've heard about Eddie Yeen and, you know, what Josh Bell is doing in D.C. right now. I mean, oh, Overall, you feel so comfortable with the way that this front office has managed things since they got to town. And, uh, you know, it only makes you really excited for what's to come. As for right now. Don't forget about Andy Rodriguez, too. For yeah, Andy Rodriguez. I was going to say, too. Yeah. Catch the future. He's been covering the uh, – tearing the cover off the ball. And, you know, the the Mets really just gave us him for nothing in, in a sense. So that was uh, – you know, there's your catcher of the future, Pirate fans. So yeah. everyone chill on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, a lot of guys for the future in these deals. Um, you know, it's been it's been really exciting to see Ben Sherrington do his thing so far. As for right now, though, we knew what we were getting into. We thought that would include a lineup that is with Cabrian Hayes and Colin Moran for pretty much the entire season with the exception of opening day, it hasn't had Cabrian Hayes. And now, uh, you know, after this this past week, the groin injury coming for Colin Moran, this lineup is missing him as well. He was moved to the 10-day injured list. It's looking like he'll be able to come back around May 19th. Do you guys think that date is realistic? And when he does come back, will he be playing every day? Um, With me, with Moran, I put him in the same boat as Cabrian Hayes. If he's not 110%, don't put him on the field. You've got nothing to play for this year. You're not going anywhere. Don't risk getting a guy really hurt when you're not in a position to compete. Um, I think they've been that way with Hayes. They've been very cautious with him, which I'm fine with. You're not contending this year. You're not competing this year. Don't take your key Brian Hayes, who is the the biggest building block you have. We saw them when they were this with Brian Reynolds over the weekend when he was banged up and they didn't play him. He's your other big building block. Colin Moran could potentially be one of those building blocks. If they are not 110%, 
don't put these guys in the lineup. I know it's going to suck because we said coming into the year, they could have a pretty good top four with Frazier, Hayes, Reynolds, and Moran. And Reynolds, Moran, and Frazier have been awesome, and Hayes was awesome in his one game. But the lineup goes off a cliff after that, and you take Moran out and you take Hayes out. And, I mean, some of these guys, we've seen some exciting things, but this lineup, it's going to be painful. We're going to have to suffer through a lot of bad offense. But I just see no reason to bring any of these guys back if they're not 100% and then some because you just risk something potentially minor turning into something that's going to linger. And next thing you know, you're missing big chunks of the season and maybe it lingers into the offseason. And and a season that's about the future, you don't play guys who are even nicked up in the least bit. The one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, the Philip Evans injury definitely might – play a part in this uh you know like you said marty i'm not i was definitely all for that moran take his time because that's great because you're getting philip evans regular bats and you're getting other people opportunities in field etc but uh, i'll be interested to see with moran returning to like baseball activities apparently um if they kind of expedite him maybe a little more they obviously know better than we do uh, also, so I don't think they'll make a rash decision. Like you said, they know where they're at. Uh, Colin Moran, you know, he's a solid hitter, but we'll we'll lose just as many games with him in the lineup or with out of the lineup right now. So, like yeah. you said, you want to kind of protect him at this point. Allow other people to get some swings in there. Maybe call up, you know, a Will Craig at this point. He is hit, you know, hot down at Triple A. I know you don't want to see him already, but. <laughs> You I know, would rather see Gonzalez and Ben Gamble at first base. You, you know it's coming, though. No, don't say that. They're going to play Ben Gamble. The, the one, the one, the one thing that might stop that is the fact that he's not on the forty. He's not on the forty, so, man. Um, with that, um, you know, we've seen Ben Charrington in this front office. They're they are not hesit- hesitant to make roster moves. They will DFA a guy like Hunter Owen, who has been a prospect in this system for, you know, 15 years. And, <laughs> no, not 15 years, but you know what I mean. Play 14. It's, he's not afraid to move on from that guy after two weeks because he knows in the long run what his value is. Mm-hmm. Neil Huntington, I don't think we see make those moves as quickly. I think we see him stick with guys – a little too long and especially guys like a hunter Owen who in the long run don't have a place here. And and to to build off of that, Nick, one thing I feel like we've also seen with Charrington in this group, that's a little bit different than Huntington is on the flip side. We're seeing them be more aggressive with guys too. Like in, in the Neil Huntington era, Rodolfo Castro never gets that call up earlier in the season. Right. I don't think we see Miguel Ure make a start. David Bednar might not be in there. You know, Travis Swagger is not a triple A. Nick Gonzalez probably isn't at high A. Like we're seeing them be more aggressive with these guys who they who they see as being more advanced. And I'd love to see it, you know, especially in the minors with a guy like Swaggerty and a guy like Gonzalez, who were elite college hitters who should climb through the minor league system quickly. And, you know, there's no reason if they continue to do what they do, you can't see Swaggerty this year in the majors and Gonzalez next year. So I love that they're also being aggressive with promoting guys not just, for lack of a better term, aggressive with cutting the cord on guys. Even Todd Frazier. You know, and yeah. we saw with Brandon Inge, with John McDonald, yes. with, with Goslin, 
we Clint saw Armis in the end, even. Yeah, we saw time and time again where these veterans just hung around forever when they you could tell they couldn't play anymore. And that wasn't the case. I mean, Frazier, we kind of saw right out of spring training. And then when they needed him, he got brought up to the roster. And, I mean, you know, you know go figure. The day after he gets designated for assignment, the Pirates lose their last standing first baseman. But still, it's just good to see them breaking that trend that the old regime had of hanging on to guys in the major league roster too quickly and not being aggressive enough with promoting some guys for the minors. The best thing Todd Frazier did here in Pittsburgh was that little Twitter spat with uh, our boy over there, Eminem, who, uh, you know, always appreciates a good uh, Twitter spat and, of course, appreciates a good blogger calling him out on on their podcast. Like I said, when it happened, the only way I see – proper to settle that is just Todd Frazier, Mark Madden, Helen Sell. Let's go. <laughs> a bloop and a blast. Yeah, I love I love the Twitter uh, you know, conversations there for a lot of Pirates Twitter. I mean, there's so many personalities within Pirates Twitter. That was fun to see. Uh, you know, I think Todd Frazier actually saved somebody's life in Pittsburgh one time, too. It was while he was still with the Reds. I think he gave somebody the Heimlich in a bar across the bridge. Uh, really an excellent career, and it's sad to see the Pirates DF, DFA him, but like you said, Marty, I mean, he was a veteran that couldn't play anymore. He had no no point on this team. Obviously not going to help you in the future, not contributing right now. Very unfortunate timing that he does go uh, does get DFA'd the day before Colin Moran goes down. Putting the Pirates in a little bit of an interesting spot here. They decide to make all kinds of roster moves. They sign Ben Gamble from the Indians. Uh, we're going to talk about some roster moves here real quick that kind of unraveled as that signing went down that, um, you know, we're really confusing. We voiced it on our Twitter, had articles out about it as well. Michael Feliz designated for assignment. I've always, I've never been a Michael Feliz guy. You know, I'm going to be completely open. Uh, I thought that was not a way the worst piece of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it's been impossible to be for, you know, if you're a Pirates fan for really the whole time he's been in Pittsburgh, but we saw signs, you know, we saw him changing things and getting a lot better this season. Pirates decide to, to designate him for assignment. They uh, they keep around Jeff Hartlieb. Um, the reaction to that and the days that followed was not a very positive one for Mr. Hartlieb. But uh, what were they thinking here, guys? Why did they decide to keep around Jeff Hartlieb and, um, you know, show Michael Feliz the door? Yeah, th- this was a move that really surprised me. Um, I mean, first off, Feliz had pitched well this year. He spent a little bit of time on the injured list. But when he'd been out there, he'd done well in seven and two-third innings this year. He'd only allowed two runs. He'd struck out eight. You know, his control looked the best it had, albeit very small sample size. But The best it had, I mean. Yeah, but he wasn't walking guys. You know, and Felice, he's always had that power fastball with some run to it and a good slider that's got the potential. And just Hartley, I I understand the allure with Jeff Hartley because he's got that power sinker. You know, it's it's Jared Hughes-esque, but he throws it a lot firmer than Hughes does. But, man, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, his first outing with the Pirates the day after he got out of the roster on Monday, he just he, he struggled. He gave up, I think, five or six runs in two innings. You know, in his career, he's now up to 59 and third innings pitched at the major league level in his ERA 713. You know, his, his first season in 2019, he had an ERA over nine across 35 innings, which for a pitcher – especially a reliever to put up an ERA over nine and 35 innings. That's extremely difficult. It is extremely difficult to pitch that poorly that your ERA gets stuck that high over that big of a sample size. 
And Hartley, again, he's another guy just – he throws the ball and he doesn't know where it's going. I mean, his walk rate was 10.5% in 2019. It spiked to 19% last year in his first outing on Monday night. He walked three guys in two innings. I didn't get the move. Um, like I said, I understand the allure of Hartley. I think he's a good guy to have in the system to give a chance to, to see if he can figure it out. Cause if he can figure it out, he'll be a good reliever. I just didn't understand designating Michael, Michael Feliz for assignment. And Hartley was the corresponding move being added to the roster to replace Feliz in the bullpen. That's the confused me more than anything because Feliz between the two Feliz is the one who looked more likely at this point to figure out the major league level than Hartley does. Right there with you, Marty. Didn't understand um, them cutting Feliz for Hartlieb. Uh, you pretty much, you know, hit all the points that I'm looking at. But yeah, Hartlieb, he's he's a good guy. He obviously has, you know, the physical traits you want in a pitcher. But commands an issue with him. And at this point, like we've seen. I actually think a regression with him uh, from his previous years. I think he's he looked better as a rookie than he does now. So I definitely not sure why they decided that was you know the move to go with. But once again, uh, you know we're we're out here and they're they're inside PNC Park offices talking about that stuff. So I'm sure they have their reasons. And. Now, it should be said with this, too. I understand it wasn't like a direct one front. Michael Feliz was not DFA'd to make room for Hartley. Feliz was DFA'd to make room on the active roster for Ben Gamble. Right. But the frustrating thing there with me was when Gamble was claimed off waivers, I assumed the move was going to be designated Hunter Owen for assignment, and Hunter Owen got designated for assignment the following day anyhow. So that's what I didn't understand why you felt the need to – you had Hunter Owen right there who could have been designated for assignment – and then when Gregory Polanco rejoined the roster the following day, you currently have a four-man bench that includes like 17 outfielders. You could have sent somebody else down to the minor league level. I just didn't understand the train of thought on the roster moves there. It was a weird, you know, few transactions back and forth. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they decided to go with Jeff Hartlieb. They designate uh, or they send uh, Hunter Owen packing as well. Let's let's get back to Ben Gamble here for a second. Pirates signed him. He was 1-14 with the Indians before coming to Pittsburgh. We saw him play in Game 3 against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts, guys, on Ben Gamble? His maybe long-term, um, you know, possibilities with Pittsburgh. The fact that he's now going to be playing a decent bit of first base as well until Colin Moran returns. What are your thoughts on the signing overall? Nick, you want to get us started with this one? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it it's just another one of those moves. I do think there's a little more um, potential to this move where, you know, he's the type of guy we've seen him have success uh, in the past. Just last year with the Brewers, he, um, you know, gave the Pirates a pretty hard time hitting a couple home runs against them. So would I rather have him than Hunter Owen on the roster? Absolutely. Ben Gamble's the type of guy. If he starts to produce a little bit, you might be able to ship him off at the deadline as well. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get anything great for him, but you didn't have to give anything up to get him either. So I, I think it's an interesting ad, but it's nothing that I would, um, you know, two weeks from now, if he's off the roster, I won't be shocked either. 
Yeah, that's where I'm at. Gamble's a player. I always liked him with Milwaukee. Um, he was the guy this offseason prior to the Pirates signing Brian Goodwin. I uh, kind of hoped that they maybe they'd pursue Gamble for some outfield help. Like you said, Nick, right now they need bodies. So in two, three weeks and it started to get healthy, it wouldn't be a stunner to see Gamble off the roster. But I do think Gamble could potentially add some value. I mean, his career numbers aren't terrible. He's got a career WRC plus of 96, which is just a little bit below the league average of 100. His on-base percentage is 335. He's got a 10% walk rate. He's not a bad ball player. I mean, you can – he had three seasons in Milwaukee where his war was one or higher. So he, he, he can be a good player for the Pirates, but how much of it comes down to, hey, we need warm bodies right now. This guy was on waivers. Let's go get him. But if Gamble does well, I think as you see things start to shake out with players getting healthy, he'll probably still hang around in the roster and one of the other outfielders who have options could be sent out. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. We had seen him have major league success, like you mentioned, Nick. You know, this wasn't a guy like Goodwin, um, you know, that hadn't had quite that success at the major league level. I like the signing. I mean, there's so much versatility here. You can have him play first base, send him the outfield. Uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Maybe he can get that value to the spot of where Pirates could trade him for something, um, if anything. But, you know, we'll see uh, We'll see how that shakes out. Give me that international slot bonus money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take anything. Uh, you, can't, I don't, you can't this year, but. <laughs> oh, true. Very true. Yeah, true. it's, it's for, yeah, no, just a different kind of time right now, but we'll take whatever for Ben Gamble at this point. Um, like I said, one for 14 with Cleveland, but, you know, potentially some promise here with the Pirates now getting his Pittsburgh career started. The Pirates have a decision to make, gentlemen. This is something that uh, we've been anticipating for quite some time now. Something I personally love talking about. Something that I know gets a lot of people excited when they talk about it because it's controversial. It's divisive right now. And for a while, we didn't think that was going to be the case. There was a guy that made the Pirates' life very easy last season, talking about it. Made it probably very easy this offseason thinking about it, but some other names have emerged. Kumar Rocker was the front runner. Crash for Kumar, tank for Kumar. All kinds of phrases, whatever, around getting this guy as the number one pick last season. Pirates did end up finishing in 30th. They will have number one pick, but now, guys, there's the decision to make. Will it be Jack Leiter, his teammate at Vanderbilt? Will it be Jordan Lawler? That name has really emerged in these last few days. I, I have a feeling what you guys are going to say. I'll give my take real quick to get it started before you guys uh, get into the tirade here. I think it should be Jack Leiter, personally. I think his control, his stuff is is untakeable. Kumar's got the build. He has everything. You know, He's got the look. He's a Zion Williamson. That's what I like to compare him to a baseball. But uh, Jack Leiter's command is just a little bit better, and the numbers this season speak for that. I think it should be Jack Leiter. I'm assuming you guys are going to say something different here. Marty, uh, who do you think the Pirates are going to take with the number one overall pick? In the baseball draft, especially with the number one overall pick, I don't care what your farm system looks like. You draft the best player available. And in my eyes, in the eyes of a lot of scouts around baseball, a lot of people who cover this for a living, you know, your Kylie McDaniels, guys like that, the player in this draft with the highest ceiling is Jordan Lawler. I understand the Pirates of Vero Paguero. I understand there's no Neil Cruz. Sanders Wambe. That said, Lawler has the highest ceiling of any player in this draft. You, you know, you, you look at his his scouting report on MLB Pipeline, his hit tool, his run tool, his power hit, all have a future value of 60. That is incredible. They, in my opinion, are going to draft Jordan Lawler. 
which is the right move. I think he's the best player in this draft. I know a lot of people are going to be upset by them taking Jordan Lawler because they're going to look at the farm system. They're going to see the shortstops. But you need to keep in mind, nobody expects O'Neill Cruz to take a shortstop long-term. And even if Paguero pans out a shortstop, Jiwon Bay can go elsewhere. And ultimately, the odds of all three of them panning out are extremely slim. But ultimately, it comes down in baseball, in the draft, especially number one overall, you should always take the best player available. You think this isn't basketball, this isn't football, you're not drafting for this season. It's not even like hockey where you might draft guys in the juniors and have them on your roster in two years. You're drafting for three, four, five years down the road. That's why you go best player available, and the best player available in this draft is Jordan Lawler. Nick? Yeah, I mean, you know that's where I'm at. So, (laughs) I mean, I've been saying this for a few months now that, um, you know, like Marty said, the Lawler thing, you know, I had a buddy text me the other day, who will the Pirates take with the first pick? And I said, if the draft was tomorrow, I believe it's going to be Lawler. So, that's where I'm at right now for all the reasons Marty said he has, he is a, a, when they, you know, five tool player gets thrown around a lot. He's a legit five tool player. And why? Because of what Marty said, because of his tools, uh, they all are well above average. Uh, you look at that build, you can see a little Carlos Correa in them. And that's not an overstatement. Carlos Correa was also a prep shortstop who went first overall instead of Mark Appel back in 2012. Um, it's not like it hasn't happened before. Yeah, look at the, look at the unlucky bastards going up with Mark Appel in 2012. Right. I don't even want to go down that 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 that's a rabbit hole. That is that is a dark hole that, that could could take fifteen more minutes. Anyhow, Austin Meadows, you know, which is go. That's what I mean. So anyhow, um, it's gonna you know I believe it will be Jordan Lawler. He's gonna be close to slot. He is committed to Vanderbilt. When you look at the prep players who are committed to Vanderbilt, they're typically slot or over going number one overall. Uh, he won't have a ton of leverage, obviously. So I don't expect there to be any negotiation issues. If people are afraid of the prep player, you know, with the contract stuff that we've seen in the past, you know, negotiation issues, missing out on players, that won't be a problem in this scenario. What do you say to the people that, uh, you know, maybe look at this and say, well, hey, draft Jordan Lawler, he gets to the bigs in 2024. Well, you take Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, maybe they get to the bigs in 2023, which would line up with the Pirates window of contention a little better. What do you say to those people? So what I've been really trying to stress on Twitter and just when I've, you know, posted about this on the website, pitchers have way more risk and you saw that with Jaden Hill the stud from LSU who was supposed to be a top 10 pick probably would have been a top five pick if not for having arm issues a few years back in school already he ends up getting Tommy John surgery what if he would have held on for three more months four more months went through the draft process went into top 10 then this fall at Intrux blows Al's elbow then. Now you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, goodbye 2000, 
uh, 22. Goodbyes, maybe some of 2023. And then we hope that we can get you kind of back to where you were and then start your actual development. I mean, it's just we have seen in the Pirates history themselves use high draft picks on pitchers and never see those pitchers come up, not because they weren't good per se, but because they're too busy battling injuries, coming back from Tommy John, whether it's Jamison Tyon the first time. What Nick Kingham was a top 75 prospect in baseball. He was going to be, you know, our number three right behind Cole and Tyon. You just can't predict what is going to happen to pitchers as easily. Hitters have a higher percentage of, you know, making it to the MLB level coming out of the big league draft. The Pirates front office is going to weigh risk in this. Jack Leiter has a high action delivery. He is not, like you said, he does not have Kumar's build. And he is throwing almost a hundred. He's throwing around a hundred miles per hour. You know that that is not. That's a lot of stress on his arm. Same can be said for Kumar, who for the last three years, you've seen him have velocity dips and increases. Whether it's at the end of the season, mid-season, for a game or two, or for a bunch of games, you do not want to see that. That suggests, I mean, that just suggests overall lack of quality of pitches, quality of physical shape, which makes you, you know, question if he's going to be able to keep also that durability through a season or if you're going to lose him. Once again, these guys get Tommy John surgery. Where, where are you looking at now? 2024, 2025? Jordan Lawler's already up. No, great points there all the way around. And, you know, kind of add on to that. Look at the what this front office is doing. Look at what Ben Charrington's doing. He's stockpiling pitchers. He's adding a lot of young pitchers. So you assume that some of these guys will pan out, um, you know, to maybe make up for a pitcher that they don't take in oh, this draft. It's so hard I, to I put that on for, Twitter for yesterday, ours. and I, I really I, – I would like to update it. But at the end of last season – um, I, after the draft and the prospect boards were updated, our our pitching prospects went from below forty percent of our top thirty to over I I want to say it was over fifty five to sixty in that range um, percent hitters and no yeah it was like yeah sixty sixty five percent hitters so I, or I'm sorry pitchers. So the whole script of we need pitchers, it, it really should be flipped. We really have, like you said, accumulated a lot of arms. And even without updating that, we look at those trades this offseason and there was multiple pitchers and all those trades. So these arms are going to happen. We're not missing a generational talent arm. There's no guarantees on a generational talent arm. And Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker aren't. They are not Steven Strasburg. They are not Garrett Cole. If they were, we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. Yeah, and that, that's one thing I was going to say, Nick. You mentioned Strasburg. And say, I feel like a lot of people are starting to like lump Leiter and Kumar Rocker in with the way Steven Strasburg is viewed coming out of school. And it's just they're not him. 
He's viewed yeah. more like they're viewed more like Mark Appel, I would say. Where yeah. it's like, hey, like th- there's a lot to like about them, but there's reasons why they are not locked in at one. Exactly. <laughs> and saying they're not they're not viewed the same way Steven Strasburg is not a knock on them either. I mean, Steven Strasburg Steven Strasburg is the best pitching prospect that has come up in, in my time watching baseball. It's just that's just the way the way he was. And, and like you said too, you know, if people People said they're in clamor about the Pirates already having these shortstop middle infield prospects. They shouldn't draft Jordan Lawler. Well, I would counter back that the pitching is just as loaded, if not more. And like you said, Quinn Priester, Brendan Malone, Renzi Contreras, Contreras, <laughs> yeah, Eddie Yeen, Tanaj Thomas, Carmen Majinski, Nick Garcia, Jared Jones. I know I'm forgetting guys too. It's just Santiago Flores. Flores, yeah. It's just they have loaded this system with starting pitching prospects. And even, you know, look a little bit at the majors. You have a guy like JT Brubaker who looks like he has solidified himself as part of this rotation for the next five, six years. They have a ton of pitching depth. Obviously, nowhere near all of those guys are going to hit. But you have accumulated enough high-end pitching depth in your minor league system that if 20% of those guys hit, you're going to be in good shape. Because if you have 20% hit as a, as a starter, you have another two or three are going to hit as relievers, you're going to be good to go. So I don't want to hear the argument that you shouldn't draft Jordan Lawler because your shortstop depth or middle infield depth and say you need pitching help whenever your farm system is much deeper in pitching than it is in middle infielders. And Especially the one power thing, potential. Exactly. As exactly as I say, the pirate farm system has become – Everyone wants power. This is power. Yes. The, the one thing this farm system still lacks to an extent is power. And Jordan Lawler is not just getting it for power. He's going to give you power from a position you don't get a lot of power from typically in shortstop. That's part of what makes him number one overall pick potential. And it's just the, the Pirates are – like Nick said, if the draft was tomorrow, they would draft Jordan Lawler. And he's the best player in this draft, and the Pirates are going to draft him, and people are going to lose their freaking minds and be upset about it. And, and it's just going to irritate me. I'm going to sit there and pull my hair out over people's reactions when the Pirates – with the number one pick in the draft, draft the best player in the draft, and people get pissed off about it. I mean, people are gonna, you know, people are gonna moan, you know, whatever, whoever they draft. There's three; it's a three-headed race now. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. No, you're good. I was just gonna say, you know, to kind of build on what Marty's saying about the uh, shortstops. You know, I reference this too. In 2014, we took Cole Tucker and. In 2015, we took Kevin Newman and we had our middle infield of the future. And here we are looking for our middle infield of the future still. So I don't, we know that nothing is guaranteed. And like I said, even more so, we know pitchers are even less likely to be productive coming out of the draft just purely based on numbers. But also, we know that they're more likely to potentially get hurt, to potentially have a position change as in move to the bullpen. There's a lot more variables in drafting a pitcher and a lot more risk than taking a hitter. 
We may have lost Nick here due to some internet problems. Um, just a little bit of the show left, though. We can wrap it up here, Marty. Uh, you know, but you look at these trades, like Nick's saying, I mean, how many times have we seen the headliner be a hitter? You know, it's been the pitchers. These guys are on the way. There are Eddie Yeans on the way. Miguel Yahoo Rays on the way, already here to an extent. Uh, you know, so if the headliner of this draft for the Pittsburgh Pirates is a hitter, it's going to be the best hitter available. Um, we're going to talk about Marcelo Meyer in the coming weeks as we continue to mock draft out here. Uh, uh, but Marty, the, the Pirates are going to be welcoming in the San Francisco Giants to finish up this seven-game road stand. A four-game set for this weekend. The Giants have really been a surprise this season. Right now they stood at 22-14. and 14. They have the most wins in all of the National League. They're tied with the Cardinals at that mark. Really a ball club that wasn't even supposed to be competitive in this division. It's looked good so far. Uh, what do you expect out of this series with San Fran? Uh, yeah, it's going to be another tough series for the Pirates. Obviously, you're playing a Giants team that's playing some really good baseball right now, and you have no idea what this lineup's going to look like. Um, you know you know you're not going to have Moran. You're not going to have Hayes. Looks like you're not going to have Phillip Evans now. So who knows how it's going to go. I mean, it's going to put a lot, of, a lot of strain on the pitching again. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Will Crow can do in game one Thursday night. He has shown some good things. He has shown some not so good things in his three starts. Um, hopefully he can continue to build on the good things and continue to put together a strong start for the Pirates. Friday night you get Tyler Anderson, who pitched for the Giants last year and has been excellent this year. Um, Saturday night you get the Mitch Keller experience, so who knows what the hell you're going to get. And then Sunday afternoon you get JT Brubaker again, and Brubaker has very quietly become one of the more reliable starters in the National League through the first month and a half of the season. So I think the big thing to watch this weekend is going to be the pitching. You know, can, can Brubaker continue to develop the way he has? Can Will Crow take a step forward and put together another strong start? Can Mitch Keller get back up on the horse? You know, he, he finally broke his strand of poor start, good start, poor start, good start with a second consecutive poor start last time out. Um, you know, I, you hate to say it because you want to keep running about thinking of opportunities. You, you, if Keller continues to get shelled, you got to start considering pulling the plug on that at some point and maybe letting him reprogram a little bit of AAA. So big start for him on Saturday. And then Sunday, again, like I said, Brubaker, let's see what he can do. Let's see if JT Brubaker can continue to develop and uh, continue to solidify himself as a building block in this pirate rotation moving forward. I mean, how about JT Brubaker? What a, what a big storyline this season. Uh, and, you know, how about Mitch Keller on a much more negative note? It's just been... Really tough to watch. <laughs> really, really hard to watch. That's a good Reds lineup, but uh, you, you can't have that kind of performance after the one he had before that. We're going to continue to follow that. I didn't want to focus on it too hard. I'm glad we were able to touch on it. Uh, but, you know, guys, we're going to be following all of these games. We're going to recap them for you on the other side of the weekend. A lot of storylines to talk about. We're going to continue to mock draft out. We're going to get in some other teams' picks. The Rangers picking at two, Tigers at three. We're going to talk about what they may do. Continue to follow everything Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. As always, guys, you can find us on Omni.com slash Rumbunter. Hit up Fansided.com. Check out the articles, guys. Fansided.com, Rumbunter.com. So much great content out from our writers right now covering this season and everything surrounding the Buckos. Find us on Apple Music, Spotify as well. Hit us up on Twitter, at Rumbunter, and go give us... And go give some love to our friends over at Manscaped. Fansided20 is your code to get free shipping worldwide. Pittsburgh Pirates now sit seven games out of first place. They find themselves in last in the NL Central, but will look to rebound against the San Francisco Giants. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Anity. Thank you all for joining us on another edition of Run Bunch Radio. Let's go, Bucks. Have a great weekend.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.